Can I ask you a question, Captain Calrissian? Anything, Hen? It's hot, but that's okay. I heard a uh, story about you. I was wondering if it's true. Everything you've heard about me is true. Hey, everybody. Welcome to You Have to Watch This Podcast. I'm Alan. And I'm Ryan. And we're going to talk today about Solo, a Star Wars story. Yes. Just not going to... No cold open. Yeah, no cold open. Well, if you listen to the show, Ryan, you'd know we don't really do cold opens anymore. Oh, my God. That's right. Yeah, because I, I, I do bad. like intros. Yeah, yeah. You, you don't listen to me. Uh, you don't listen to my hard work. I do listen. Just I kind of skipped the beginnings. So you you, you, you didn't hear last week's, which was we began and ended with John Candy. That's true. Yeah. Okay. But we're not talking about Splash this week. No, <laughs> no we're talking we're about Solo, a Star Wars story directed yes. by Ron Howard. Yes. Which um, is why we did Splash even to begin with. Yes. That was an odd pick, I will fully admit. Yeah. But uh, so anyone listening who hasn't seen Solo yet, we are going to talk a bit without spoilers. When we get into spoilers, we'll make sure that you know. So if you haven't seen it yet. Even um, though technically anything to be considered a spoiler, except for one thing, really isn't a spoiler. Yeah. Because it's anyway, it's tricky with prequels, but yeah, Yeah, we're not going to get in. If you don't don't want to know specific points of the movie, we're not going to get into that until later on. So right now, we're just going to talk about our general feelings about the movie, and yeah. So, what did you think overall? Normally, I can digest a movie within forty-eight hours. This one, I'm still digesting. To become, to be honest, I. I liked, I really liked some of the overtones in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually decided to listen for music this time because it's I a good one for that. Before, yeah, because I'm uh, I'm not big on that, but I was extremely happy to see that they took music from a couple older Star Wars video games. Not not video games, but from the movies. Well, well from the movies but one in particular which i'll get into yeah. which i'll get into once we get into like the like yeah. the movie and the the sequence yeah. and the breakdowns but um i still don't know if i would consider this a movie like take it away from the star wars like universe and just have it be about some like space cowboy yeah and yeah to be completely honest because like I, I i haven't gotten there yet to like 100 percent say i wasn't thrilled with it but at the same time it was entertaining yeah my feelings on this are this is the most unnecessary but fun movie ever and and i think that's part of why i'm feeling the way i am and the thing is like i didn't want to i didn't i don't need to see this movie like i didn't like i don't need to know what how han and chewie met i don't need that yeah but if they're going to give it to me this is the way I want to see it. Um, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, everyone is at the top of their game. Like everyone is giving it their best and you can tell. Yeah. Um, you get to see a lot of things that you haven't seen before, uh, with Chewbacca. Like they actually give Chewbacca stuff to do Mm -hmm. instead of just eating porgs. Um, (laughs) it's a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. And there were, there were moments where I was just like, "Ah, yeah, there we go. Yeah. Um, it's predictable. Yeah. And it's a bit of a mess. Like it doesn't know what story it's trying to tell. And I think that is, and I think that's a, I really think that that's a direct result of the fact that Ron Howard took over hat, like more than halfway through. Yes. And they had no to do the reshoots. Cause I, it's, it's a part of me felt like there were two different styles. Yeah. Like and some of it, some of it's other. easy to tell what was reshot yeah. because I guarantee uh, Clint Howard was not in this movie when Lord and Miller were doing it. So his whole sequence, like that, that's new. So mm-hmm. how much of that's Ron Howard? Yeah. Um, I don't know how much of this is Lord and Miller. You can. There are moments like lot. There are there were lines that feel like Lord and Miller and not Ron Howard. Yeah. And I wish they would have cut some of them out. There's one with a uh, Beckett at one point. I'm like, no one cares about your thumbs, dude. Like, stop. <laughs> um, but I really do like the score. Yeah. Um, John Williams came back and did the th- the main theme. Yeah. And then John Powell, I think, did the rest of it. 
I didn't and adapted to... John Williams stuff yeah. into there. Um, and I listened to the soundtrack on the way home because I was like, why not? Yeah. Um, the reason we're so late in doing this is I had just seen it last night. Yeah, so it's still fresh for it's you. It's still fresh for me. Um, it did not do well at the box office. And I think it's because it was on the holiday weekend. I think the holiday weekend hurt it because it's a big weekend for like parties and barbecues. People aren't going to go see a, a movie. Yeah. Um, and I don't think it helped that it's the week after Deadpool and four weeks after Avengers. Well, timing is to be cliche. Timing's everything. And there is all that. But at the same time, if there was more, like you said, do we really need a Han Solo Chewbacca meeting movie? Like, is it really needed? It's not. And I think that, and I think that had a, like a hand to play in it and to be perfectly and and to be honest it wasn't until i saw the last couple trailers that i really got interested yeah in it because before that all of the concert not, not the controversy but like ron howard taking over you know responsibility for the movie more than halfway through um the feel of the advertisement for this movie was completely different from everything else. Yeah. Like you've got Rogue One gritty and, you know, for the star Wars universe, more of a realistic feel to it. And even with the main storyline, star Wars movies, it's still kind of the same thing. Like there's still that grittiness to it. Yeah. Even though in the preview, which they showed like the starship construction planet and all of this other stuff. And that's where it grabbed me. Cause there was that grittiness to it. Yeah. The posters, the Rolling Stone cover, just really made it seem like the, it was like a bubblegum pop yeah. type feel to it. And I think that's what turned off. I think a lot part of, of the problem is we've had the last three Star Wars movies come out in December. Yeah. And with everything that they, when Last Jedi came out, if there had been a solo trailer attached to that, I don't think it would have done as bad at the box office because then you're piquing the interest of Star Wars fans. Yeah. But there hasn't really been like Black Panther is probably the biggest movie that's come out that had this trailer attached to it. Mm-hmm. That and Avengers because they're all Disney properties. That's what's going to show yeah. it. Um, they're not going to get the Star Wars fans. Like people aren't going to care as much about Han and Chewie. But if you put the trailer in front of Last Jedi, you would have gotten anyone who's like, oh yeah, I'd I'd see that. Yeah. I just don't think the marketing was there for this. Like they didn't really have anything. Huge. I don't like the only person I've seen, the only two people I've seen um, on the talk show circuit talking about this are Donald Glover and uh, Amelia Clark. Yeah. So you don't have Han out there at all. No. Which is bizarre because he's your star. Yeah. I don't know. At the, one of the, and granted, I know this is one of those like aesthetic things mm-hmm. that kind of bothered me about it. When you're filling, uh, when you're, when you're finding an actor for a role, you want to find the the person that embodies that character, the you know yeah. the, the best that you can. The personality, the uh, the facial expressions you want. The you know if you're looking for for them to be able to portray like a certain scene, uh, yeah, is uh, um, with a certain physical presence, then that's the person you go with, regardless if they resemble the actor who is most well known. Yeah. The thing is like, uh, it was, it was, it was one of those things that like, I kind of like through the movie, getting caught up in the storyline and, and the scenes that I liked and the, you know, and the sequence of scenes that I actually liked, but, uh, together. Yeah. There were times when I had to remind myself, okay, that's Han Solo. Yeah. And that was one of my problems. Yeah. There were moments where I buy it that he's Han Solo. Yeah. And there are other times like, oh yeah, he's supposed to be Han Solo. Yeah, and <laughs> uh, and I think putting him with Chewie really helped. Like the yeah. two of them together, um, and just it's just Harrison Ford is so ingrained in everyone as, um, which there's no way that you could take. Yeah, there's no way you could do that. But the one thing that I was thinking of on the way home at the start of the movie Ant Man, yeah, they did that facial CGI. Yeah. To make, uh, crap, what's his name? Michael um, Douglas. Hmm? Michael Douglas. Michael Douglas looked uh, look to be as old as he did when he filmed the movie Wall Street. Mm-hmm. They did that. Now, it worked for one scene because obviously you could, I mean, it was done really well. Yeah. Like, 
if somebody didn't know who Michael Douglas was and the fact that they did that, they might buy that that was that you know th- that that was an actual actor's face, non touched up for maybe about ten seconds. Yeah. And then you've got the whole thing with um, putting Princess Leia at the end of Rogue One, which that also had a lot of controversy. But they also because that was a different actor. Th- th- that was a different actor, and then they also did the thing with Grand Moff uh, Tarkin. Uh, Tarkin in the same one where they CG'd his face as well. Depending on how well the technology was, even though I know that they would have gotten a lot of hell for it, I feel like possibly maybe trying just to do a screen test to see if they could pull it I'm off. sure they did. Um, it would have cost way too much money. And with the research, they already went over $500 million. Yeah, I know. Extra. I'm just saying. So. Like... <laughs> And this all would have been if they didn't have the issue to begin with. Yeah, like, there's, there's a, there was a lot going against this movie, and I don't think Disney tried to help it much. No. Um, I think it would have been better if they held it until December. And then you could May. also keep on working on it, too. Yeah. I mean, granted, I know that they're over budget by ridiculous amounts, but it's Disney. It's Star Wars. They'll make their money. It would have, yeah. It would have made more sense to have Last Jedi come out in May and then keep it going in May if you wanted to do that because mm-hmm. last year was the 40th anniversary of Star Wars in May but they released the movie in December it's like well the year's over now yeah so um, I really like the cinematography okay. uh, there are some beautiful shots in this yeah whether it's on the snow planet or the, the sand planet um, there were just some a lot of things that I really liked about just mm-hmm. the way they the worlds that they introduced us to um so I gave that an A plus. I gave the story a B minus. I went through and graded this movie. I don't know why. <laughs> I've never done it before. Um, and I gave the score an A because I I, I really like that score. <laughs> okay. um, yeah, for me, the storyline, I would actually, if we, if we want to do grade lettering, I would actually put it at a C. <laughs> for well, me personally. Once it, like, it... When we get into spoilers, I'll tell you what yeah. my, my issue is. And, um, and I'll get into the same thing. But I think everyone in this movie is fun. Oh, yeah. Um, Donald Glover as Lando is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, I had some issues with I had some issues with his performance because when you first see him, he's doing the Lando voice. Yeah. Lando calories. And then he, he goes in and out of it yeah. from p- part to part. Um, I liked Amelia Clark as Kira. Uh, Woody Harrelson is fun. Yeah. Uh, pretty much just being Woody Harrelson. Yeah. What, what's his name in Zombieland, Tennessee? I have no idea. Have you seen Zombieland? No. What? No. Well, I know what we're doing next week. No, I don't want to watch Zombieland. <laughs> Trust I me. I saw it. the first 15 minutes of it. That was enough. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. I made you choke. I made you choke with that comment. You're yeah. dead. <laughs> I killed you. Um, <laughs> But yeah, that's pretty much all I've got non-spoiler-wise. You got anything else you want to add? I mean, everybody who was in this movie, I liked. Granted, for what the finished product is, I did I, I did like it. It's just yeah. I, can't, I can't comfortably say... I liked it a bit more than I expected to, but I was not looking for... Like, I, I was not looking forward to this movie un, up until, like, the last three weeks. So it kind of exceeded my expectations, but not by much. I didn't go in with any expectations just because I didn't know what I was walking into. <laughs> I, I wasn't sure either, but the tr- the TV spots and stuff made me think, well, maybe, maybe yeah. this will be okay. Would you recommend seeing this movie? If you have seen every other Star Wars movie in theaters, see this one in theaters. That's all I got to say. Okay. I, yeah, I definitely yeah. think if you're a fan of Star Wars, there's enough in this to make, make sure you it. have a good time. Yeah. Uh, it's probably not the best Star Wars movie. Yeah, yeah um, that's about all I've got for non-spoilers. So do you okay. want to get into spoilers? Uh, yeah, so if you haven't seen the movie and you don't want to get into spoilers yet because you have tickets, um, stop listening in like three seconds. Okay, so one, two, three. Darth Maul's at the end of this. Yeah. <laughs> I had that spoiled for me. Uh, that... I was not expecting him to show up in this. Yeah, no. Um, my biggest problem with this movie, story-wise, is this feels like chapter one. Yeah. Of 
either a two or three part story. And I really hope it's not. It's they're signed on for three features. <sighs> if you look at this as the first one, as the setup where you get Han and Kira does her thing at the end where she turns. Yeah. Like, I think you're setting it up for a great sequel. Okay. I don't know if you need to do a trilogy, but I think you can definitely do a if sequel. This, if there's a sequel or if this turns into a trilogy, yeah. then they need to incorporate, okay, what's going on with the fat? How does he get involved with the huts? Yeah. Well, you know, I think like you- all of that. And remember how back on our other podcast, I always yeah. talked about how there was a deleted scene where Han leaves a girl at the cantina bar. Yeah. I wonder if that's supposed to be Kira. I don't think so. I think she dies. I wouldn't be surprised. End of of these films, she's dead. Because to be perfectly honest, I'm not a fan of her character. I I was, I was like, I know she's going to turn. Like I, I didn't know how bad she was going to turn. Um, because, because my problem is I feel like they were trying to pull on to the whole Ray thing of like, well, what happened to you over the three years? And everybody's telling her, you don't know her. She's, you know, she's done things you couldn't even think, think of. But they never really talk about what she's done. And then they kind of leave it in suspense. And it's kind of obvious that. that she's done some nasty shit for this organization. Yeah. I, the I thing know, is, but it's only been, what, five years? Three years? Three years. Three years. So, granted, somebody can change a lot in three years. Yeah. Totally, totally saying that right now. But... To go from somebody who was living in the gutter of the streets of a horrible planet, and you don't, but you don't know what happens to her after she after Han leaves. But that's what I mean. It's only yeah. been three years, and he's changed a lot too. Uh, kind of. He, he's gotten his. Anyway, you don't put <laughs> Darth, you don't put Darth Maul in this without having a plan. Well, true. They're, they're yeah. gonna, they're, like you don't tease people with that, and yeah. I guarantee there are a shit ton of people who are like, "I thought he died." Yeah, Obi Wan Kenobi killed him. And, and I this think, is what happens when you don't watch kids' TV shows. Yeah, <laughs> and I think it's ridiculous that Disney is going to expect people to do that. But everyone, like the one YouTube channel I follow, posted a video over the weekend how Darth Maul has survived. Yeah, and I was like, okay, yeah, like you go into like the legends and like the actual canon stories now. Yeah. Um, I was not expecting that. No. Um, but it was spoiled for me because I saw a thing about, um, what spoiler planet means for star Wars. And I'm like, wait. And I saw the picture that they put with it. It was like the witches from Mm -hmm. Dathomir. Yeah. And I was like, you fuckers. Yeah. Darth Maul's in this, isn't he? Mm -hmm. And then I, I read further and I was like, fucking a, I had, see the thing is watching the TV show. When yeah. they talk about Scarlet Dawn or what, whatever, the and then the symbol like around her neck, and I'm like, that yeah. looks familiar. What is this? Well, that, no, that's the first time we've seen that. No, because I swear I've seen that symbol before. Uh, probably the symbol, but the first time that Crimson Dawn. Well, Crimson Dawn is mentioned, but it's, it's one of those things that that symbol around her neck. Yeah, that necklace she was wearing. Like I'm wa- like like I'm watching it, and she shows up. She's wearing it. I'm like, that's familiar. What's that from? And then it didn't hit me until she, you know, yeah. was talking to him at the end, and I saw the robot leg. Yeah. And then, and then that's when everything clicked. And then he put his, and then they, he took his hood they off. They got Ray Park back to play him. Good. Uh, but the voice is Sam Whitner. Then why? Why? Well, it's a hologram. He didn't, do the, he didn't do the voice to begin with. Oh, okay. It was Never mind, the guy who plays the tick now. Did the voice for that one line that he had in Phantom Menace? Really? Yeah. I feel um, bad for him. Meh. Putting Darth Maul in these movies make, gets me excited. Well, yeah, I mean, it does, because it, 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 that's one thing that the fans, even the hardcore lore, uh, like the hardcore fans that don't like anything that was made after Return of the Jedi. Well, here's the thing. What? Even they say that Darth Maul should have been carried through the the the, the uh, one, two, Prequels. and three. Yeah, he yeah. Um, what if the next one isn't about Han and Chewie? What if it's, what if Crimson Dawn plays a part in the Boba Fett movie and you see Kira and Darth Maul there? If this is one of those things where they're going to be doing like all of the background for like the bounty hunters and all of the kind of like oddball characters. Mm-hmm. Scoundrels. It's the scoundrels. I would be okay with that. I would. The scruffy it's, looking nerf herders. Yeah. It's just, 
they need to keep with, they just need to be honest about it. Be like, look, we know these movies aren't going to bring in as much as what, you know, the, you know, like the, the, these other ones are and that the audience is going to be a lot smaller than what the other ones are. Yeah. As long as they're honest about it and they know well, what they're getting and into. And the other thing is, like, you got the Boba Fett movie coming with uh, James Mangold directing, who did yeah. The Wolverine or, yeah. and Logan. But you also have the rumors of the Obi-Wan movie coming. I feel like that's just all fan pushed. I really do. I, I don't know. I've. But granted, the fans have been wanting that for so long that I can see Disney just kind of like saying, okay, fine, we'll do this. Yeah, I, I think putting Maul in this kind of semi-confirms that they are going to do an Obi-Wan movie. Because the Obi-Wan movie could be him versus Crimson Dawn. Like him. So that would be what he was doing when he wasn't watching yeah. Luke. Yeah, when Luke was still a baby and didn't really need that much protection. Because when did this take place? I, I meant to look it up, but this is, has to be like oh, less than five years after the Clone Wars. Well, right? You've got it's got to be because you've got the Empire. No, no more than eight because no, no more than eight years because the actual legit stormtroopers very small number in this movie. Mm-hmm. The only time, and then when they show the actual like Empire assault, and Luke is like, "Why are we doing this?" and the uh, and the captain goes for peace and the galaxy and to expand the Empire and uh, and all this other stuff. Like they're wearing really odd, yeah, w- soldiers, you know, like trooper uniforms. But if you look back at the comics that have come out. And even if you look at Star, you know, Star Wars fan art of like fictional battles from like legends. Yeah. The open, you know, the open face helmet with the Vader-esque type, you know, length of like the back of the helmet and the goggles and the gray and the capes like that's all been part of Star Wars lore for, I, I don't know, 30 years. Yeah. So the, I mean, that's it, the one it, thing it I, was just odd seeing it on the film. That's the one thing I will give this movie a lot of credit for. They name drop and visually drop a lot of references, not just to the other films, but to legends. Like they, yeah. they uh, Lando drops the, like names of books that were about him. Yeah, like in his adventures there, uh, different planets that have uh, been mentioned in different things, characters. Like the, the mud planet that you're talking about is mm-hmm. the same planet from Spectre of the Eye. Yeah. Which, you know what that is, right? Spectre of the Eye? Yeah, it's a Spectre, and it's an no, eye. No, it's the first <laughs> sequel that came out for Star Wars. Like That was the book that was yeah. supposed, supposedly the sequel to Star Wars, where okay. Luke and Leia were being haunted by Vader on this planet, and that's the planet. Oh, okay. Supposedly. Yeah. Uh, I have never read it. Yeah. yeah. It's like the first legends thing that they were like oh yeah no we're not that's not the sequel <laughs> here's empire <laughs> yeah it's it, it's i it, for everything that they did like that that i really really liked there were just other stuff where i was just like oh my god like yeah i love the fact how they used actual puppets for the card game for sabak for sabak like you know like having act like not doing cg but the droid fighting yeah, that droid like, sequence. That kind of drove me nuts when you had the droids like battling each other. And then you have the droid that Lando has that's L3. Yeah, L3. Like, I don't like, I feel like they were going for, they were trying to do K2SO with a different personality. I felt. And I feel like the whole like robot revolutionist thing, like droid, like, granted, yes. There have yes, there are droids that have consciousness in Star Wars. Mm-hmm. There is a there are characters that are robots that have artificial intelligence that you could make the argument that they were sentient beings that yeah. they can function on their own as an actual living yes person. Three PO R two three PO R two K two S O after he was rebooted. BB eight. Well, I that. think the big thing was all those droids on that pl- on Kessel were. Wearing restraining bolts. Well, yeah. And I get them, you know, wanting to, like, you know, get back at the people that were doing, you know, you know, yeah. forcing them to work. But the, like, almost, like, 
communist red square revolution idealistic you know personality in that droid was a tad annoying <laughs> yeah it, it got i wasn't a big fan of l3 no and um, that's and one aspect i didn't really when she died like i thought lando's reaction was a little bit much it played I, into the whole thing with her talking to care yeah. about, you know, her feelings for, you know, be like, yeah. oh, you know, he loves you and there's a problem. And she, yeah, it did. And she gets into like, her relationship with, I mean, like, we no. haven't really seen anything from Lando up to that point. Yeah. That would justify that reaction. Like we get her saying that. Yeah. And, but there wasn't really anything to prove it up until that point. So it's kind of like, maybe she's making that up about him, but then it's like, oh no, she's not. But it's like, I want to see a little bit of something from Lando. Yeah. Besides just being Lando. And that's, and that was the problem with, uh, it was with the whole setup that before that point in the cockpit where she's talking about, mm-hmm. you know, like the feelings between her and Lando. Yeah, I feel, up I, to that point, there was absolutely nothing to substantiate that conversation. And I feel like that's probably either something that got cut or was reshot and added in or, but that, that just felt weird to me. Like, I just, yeah. And the fact that they put her into the computer of the Falcon. That I liked. To I be like honest. That. And the reason why is because as soon as they said, you know, we can uplink her memory yeah. into the Falcon for the map. And the scene from A New Hope clicked in my head where C-3PO goes, I don't know where your ship learned to communicate, but it's got the most unique form of communication that I've ever come across before. That would make sense if the Falcon's computer had two different, quote-unquote, personalities in its hard drive. Yeah, that would. And it would make sense that it's kind of stubborn sometimes. Exactly. Um, So that is the one thing about cooking yeah i like i like yeah. that it was just kind of like okay i know where you're going with this yeah they're like she's got the greatest navigational system in the galaxy yeah like, oh so she's gonna get plugged into the ship <laughs> um <laughs> my biggest problem with not just the solo but also rogue one is i don't need a movie to to just answer uh unasked question from the original trilogy. Like why was there a shaft that was open in the death star to, that would blow it up? And I don't need to, I don't need to see how Han did the Kessel run in 12 parsecs. Like I, that's what you got from those movies. I, that's what you think they were that, trying to answer. Yeah. No, it was only part of it. It's part of it, but it's like rogue one answered the question. How did the rebels get the plans yeah, he, to the death star? Well, what I'm what getting did they at, have to go through? What to I'm get getting to at it. is, I think that leaves some mystery. Like, I don't need answers to everything, though. Like, I'm that's fu- what I'm all fu- the books did. I'm fu- yeah, but the books are different. Like, I don't need a whole movie of the Castle Run, which is what this is. It was only like 20 minutes of the film. It was like 20 minutes of the movie. It's a good chunk of the movie. Ah, this movie, the uh, Castle Run, that, didn't start until they plugged her nav memory. No, the into Castle the Run Falcon. started when they're like, okay. We're going to go steal this stuff. We need a ship. So as soon as they left Paul Bettany's cor- like yacht. Yeah. Man, did they underuse Paul Bettany. But that's, I'll get into that. As soon as they leave his yacht, that's the, this movie the, is, this movie the is. The Kessel in- Run is when they take off from the spice mines of Kessel and they are I'm blockaded count- by the Star Destroyer and they fly into I'm the counting smoke the, I'm counting and the whole- they fly through it and out and get to the desert okay. planet. That time frame this is movie, the castle run. This movie is split into chunks. You got the chunk at the beginning on Corellia. Okay, where, yeah. Where Han, yeah. Han escapes. Yeah. And then you have Han in the Imperial Navy. Yeah. Where he gets thrown in the cage with Chewie and meets yeah. Chewie and then and then you have and then he meet when he meets Beckett. So yeah. you have him with his first ice on Beckett. Yeah. With Beckett. So that, yeah. that's the first two chunks. The yeah. next chunk is I consider the castle run. No, no, because because the they next have to, chunk they have to leave the castle. Them, no, because the next it, the, one. the first two chunks are <laughs> setting up the main story of this movie, which is getting the castle and getting this fuel. Yeah, like that's the that's what this movie this movie t- spends a lot of time building up to what will be the castle run, 
like going to Kessel and leaving and doing the Castle Run in 12 parsecs. It takes forever to get there. And there's oh, no, no, no. A lot if of unnecessary... Huh? If you round down. Yeah, whatever. Well, remember that line. Yeah. Always remember that line. He didn't exactly do it in 12 parsecs. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, there's... Like, the chunks don't really blend well until, like, the f- last 10 minutes of the film. Okay. So. Because you have the, those other marauders... Trying to steal the fuel, too. Which aren't really marauders. Yeah, and I thought that's where Darth Maul was going to come in. Yeah. Um, but you have them, like, in the beginning. Yeah. And then you waste John Favreau and Thandie Newton. That I was pissed about. Yeah. Like, you have somebody sacrifice themselves at the start of the movie without any real buildup. Yeah. All she did was kiss him. Yeah. And then she's like, oh, I'm going to sacrifice myself for you. Boom. And I'm like, okay, so I've got to kind of defend myself here. It's very uneven. I am totally fine with storylines throwing you right in in the middle of something without any explanation, people dying off, and then you find out later down the line what their connections are. I'm like, oh, okay, now, now that makes total sense. Now the, now, the next time I watch this movie, I'm going to have a little bit of emotional, you know, uh, a little bit of a uh, emotional reaction to it. Yeah. I watch this movie again, I'm still going to think... Why are you blowing yourself up? You only kissed him once. Because he, because they never explained what their connection was or how long well, they knew each I other think, for. Yeah, well, I don't think you need to know that. But the problem with it is... Like, there's no the, character development for it. I talked before about the marketing not being good for this movie. Yeah. They marketed this movie as, we're building a team together for this heist. And they introduced them as that team. Yeah. And then you're expecting, like... On one hand, I'll give it to them for, for the red herring. But on the other hand, it's like, I'm, I like John Favreau. I liked his character. I'm like, okay, I'm getting invested in this. And then you're going to kill him off in the first 10 minutes. Yeah. Fuck you, Ron Howard. Yeah. Like, at least with Rogue One, you had time to get to know those characters. Yeah. That way their deaths met more. Like K2S. K2- I have never been more upset over a robot dying in a film. Yeah. Than in Rogue One with, with K2SO, because there was time for buildup. Like there was who K2SO was at the beginning not trusting yeah um not trusting being a smart aleck to sacrificing himself like yeah. th- there's a huge character arc there and granted okay put together people for a team you know you carry through granted all of the marketing didn't even have woody allen in it well, I mean, it did. Woody it did. Harrison. Woody Harrison, Woody Allen. It, Completely different people. I've got to... <laughs> yeah. I've got... I've got to get to the point with him anyway. Yeah. But, like, like the covers on the magazines, a lot of the advertisement didn't even have him in it. It was Chewie, Han, Kara, and... Lando. Lando. Like, it was those four. Yeah. It had nothing to do with that other crew. And so really, I should have seen it coming. Yeah, yeah, you should have, but it's just, I did, their deaths didn't mean much to me. Mm -hmm. And I wish that they made more sense to the story, but it's kind of like, I'm sorry, Beckett, that your crew died one punch and like, okay, we're, we're, I'm over it now. Yeah. Like it would have been nice if at the end, when Beckett turns, have him be like, you killed the woman, you're responsible for the woman I love dying. Like, blaming on for that, and that's why he turns. Like, bringing it back to yeah. that, it would have made it stronger That for me. would have made it stronger. That would have explained the connection that, oh, this isn't just some woman that he's having, like, yeah. a fling with that's only been lasting well, a couple I, months. I, like, this could have been something that they were together for years. Yes. I, I, I assume they were together with, for years. I don't need to know their complete story to, to assume that. Like, I know they care for each other. They're friends. And the little alien monkey guy is their friend to his friend too. And the best part about his death was you get to see Han be like, Oh shit, this is getting real. Like yeah. this is like, I get why they had to tell the story the way they did. Uh, it just didn't flow well for me from chunk to chunk. The fact that I'm talking about it in chunks is weird, but once after the first heist, everything seems to flow naturally. Like there's a natural th- flow to the story. It, do- it doesn't, yeah, jump around as much. Um, it just takes forever to get there. What did you think of Paul Bettany as the villain? It was interesting. I mean, when you go on the yacht and you've got the setup, that's kind of the type of character I was expecting at that point. Yeah. 
Um, I definitely liked... I, I liked the character. I liked him as the villain. I really did. I could have used more of him. Like, maybe, like, one more scene with him, because we only get the two. You only get the two, but with the storyline, with the way that they did it, there wouldn't have been another way to get him in there. Yeah. Unless you do it like a hologram where he and just flips out or something. Yeah, I do know that um, Paul Bettany was added to the cast when Ron Howard came on. Cause he, yeah. Yeah. So I don't know what this movie what was before. What the hell was that. the storyline before he showed know. up? There was another actor who couldn't make it, couldn't come back for the reshoot. So I think they either recast the part or just changed the character completely. Um, but I guess to get the part, he uh, he had to t- he texted Ron Howard because they'd they'd worked together on like a Beautiful Mind and yeah. um, Da Vinci Code. He texted him one night when after it was announced Ron Howard took over. Do you ever just sit alone on a cold winter's night and wonder why you're not in a Star Wars movie? <laughs> and Ron Howard's like, I'll get back to you. <laughs> Which is probably the best thing to come out of this movie is that story. Yeah, it is. Because I like Paul Bettany. It is, and yeah. He wasn't, like, he was told by agents that he was not going to work anymore because no one wanted him for roles because he was getting too old and didn't really fit, like, the leading man type. Well, hopefully, and that's that's when he was doing Jarvis. Like, like they just want like he thought he was just going to keep doing that voice forever. And like when he was the day after he was told this, they Marvel called him like, "Hey, do you want to be Vision?" So like that kind of saved his career. Yeah. So Uh, I like him as an actor. I do too. The guy's good. It's just with the way that this movie and the storyline pans out, the like villain. Is like he's robbing. I mean, you've got Han who's stealing from the ultimate villain in the Star mm-hmm. Wars, you know, uh, during the uh, Galactic Civil War period. Yeah. Um, you've got the ultimate villain that he's stealing from, but at the same time, he is stealing. Um, he's dealing with a guy who is working for a crime uh, crime uh, a syndicate. So everywhere you look, there's villains. I mean, even yeah. Lando's a villain. If you yeah, really want it, like, yeah. This is not... So here's my biggest, my biggest thing with this movie, and I wish they would have done this, but they didn't. They, for the whole movie, I was like, you know, like at one point I was like, you know, this is, we're going to have a Star Wars movie without a fucking lightsaber. And then they give us the fucking lightsaber with the mole. I was like, I don't need that. Like I did not like I would have loved to see a Star Wars movie without a lightsaber. Give me Tie Fighters, Star Destroyers, Millennium Falcon, Chewie. Fine, Star Wars. I don't need a lightsaber. Darth Maul did not need to pull out his lightsaber. What would have been good, I think, even like in every Star Wars movie, and let's say for some god awful reason, I was put in charge to when it came to like the Star Wars storyline, yeah. just to keep things together, just making sure that reading through the scripts and making sure that everything links up correctly. In every single movie, any Star Wars movie that'd be made from here on out, there would always be a lightsaber. Maybe not being used. It might be on somebody's desk as a trophy from 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 like killing a Jedi or a Sith or something that was passed down in a family. But there would always be somewhere a lightsaber hanging on somebody's belt, something. Yeah, I, I'm okay with that. I don't need yeah. to see it light up. Yeah, no, no. I and, think I think the main I reason I didn't understand why he lit his lightsaber to begin with. Oh, I can tell you exactly why he did it. And so people can be like, "Is that Darth Maul?" And then he pulls out his double blade lightsaber. Yeah, that is Darth Maul. Like that's why they did it. You don't need to. You got the I know the thing on the face and the horns. Yeah, but you could also. But the average moviegoer who's like, I like Star Wars movies, but doesn't follow the shows, I and mean, they, they'd be like, I think that's the guy from Episode One. Like, just the average moviegoer. Like, they dumb it down so you know. Oh, yeah, that's Darth Maul. It would have been even... We've had conversations about movies dumbing things down. Yeah, that, it, that's I, I hate dumbing that. it down. You want to dumb it down? Have her call him Mole. Which did... No. Did she? She didn't call him Mole. Yeah. Have her say, you know, Darth Maul or... He's not a Darth anymore. Master Maul or something. Yeah. I don't know. Just have, have her say his name instead of turning on the lightsaber. Yeah. Yeah, I would like that better. Um, but that is what it is. Mm. I really like a lot of the visuals in this. Oh yeah. Um, the 
Star Destroyer coming out of the clouds. Oh, that was beautiful. Run. Just that that whole sequence was fantastic. Yeah. With the asteroid field music from Empire coming back in. Mm-hmm. Um, and the fight music from New Hope. Like that just I love that whole sequence. Like I would I will go back to the movie theaters just to watch that sequence. Well, okay, so to get to one of the things that I wanted to pinpoint yeah. and you actually segued perfectly right into mm-hmm. it. I've wanted the Star Wars universe, the movies to visit Kessel. Yeah. You always hear about the spice mines at Kessel or will be melted down on the spice mines at Kessel and all this other stuff. And they've never gone to it ever. Yeah. They finally did it. I'm happy. Mm -hmm. It was as hellish as I wanted it to look. It was as weird as I wanted it to look. Um, Granted the whole like actual having like, tunnels (laughs) like a mine like the the way that i envisioned the one thing that was different was that the way that i envisioned it was actual strip mining not like tunneling that's the one thing that i would have visually done different like i just would have had the entire planet covered in strip mines yeah just completely getting like eaten away the one thing that i will bring up that i'm kind of on is the fact that you've got this giant cloud of like rogue planets and asteroids and monsters and a gravity hole, a yeah. quote unquote, a black hole, like all this other stuff. Half the planet is engulfed in that smog, meaning yeah. that at some point something's going to hit the one side of it. That's the one thing I was just kind of iffy on. It was like, you've got this planet in the middle of this yeah. mess how reliable is it to keep on, you know, to have people on this planet mining? And well, I think that's a part of the reason they use slaves. Well, true, They're expendable. Well, true, but at the to same the empire. But at but at the same time, to even visit this place as a source of power, you know, it just it really, really the risk is way too high. Yeah, for me to even to even think of that being a realistic thing. You got to remember in Rogue One they have that whole planetary shield, so maybe that like even though it's surrounded by the the smoke, maybe the planetary shield is what's keeping the smog and everything else to to keep uh, to keep that tunnel going. I'm sure there's safeguards in place. Yeah, it just and then you know when they fly out and there's that star destroyer there and that that was just that was just amazing like to me that goes right up there like i want a paint like an actual painting or like a printed poster to look like a painting of that scene of that still of it right in the middle the back edges of it pushing into the smoke it filling up almost 85 percent of that you know of that like lane road, whatever you want to call it. That's one of the stills I want. The other one is from a last Jedi when they, when she goes light speed into Snoke's ship and splits everything in half. Yeah. Like that and that I want as stills as artwork. Yeah. Cause those are just amazing. Like that, that that's on par for me. Like those two like art art almost. Yeah. Yeah. And they definitely, um, like Ron Howard does talks about how he always is inspired by photographs. Yeah, like I get, I bet there's like fan art of the Millennium Falcon going face to face with the with the Star Destroyer. Oh yeah, in clouds, and that's probably what did it. Like mm-hmm. that's just like a really great visual moment. Okay, um, and and, uh, and while we're on Castle, yes, when I was talking about video games, yes, there's an N64 game called Shadows of the Empire. Yeah, okay, never it, played it. it's either the, it's one of the levels, I think it's early on in the game, where you're like, and it's been forever since I've played it, so if anybody's listening and you're like, he is completely wrong, by all means call me out on it because then people will actually get the the information and not from my skewed memory. The the guy's either somebody who is working with Han Solo that's not in the films because they're talking whenever the camera's on other characters. So either it's a buddy of Han or it's somebody who's following Han, like protecting him or like hunting him down. Yeah. And there's um, a level where you're on Kessel fighting on a train 
like you're on a spice train that's moving or from one site to another. Yeah. And you're jumping on the cars and fighting through the cars and jumping from one train to another on these like gravity rails. And the music that they were playing when they were on the train on, on, on that ice planet, the snow planet was the same exact music. If I remember correctly, that's in that video game. Oh, really? So as they're like hopping on the train and shooting and blasting, I hear the music. I'm like, Shadows of the Empire. Like, I don't know why it clicked. I could be wrong. My memory could be jumbling a bunch of stuff up. But that's what was my gut reaction. I mean, it could be. I'll have have to do some research into that. I think I remember the being on Kessel in the N64 game, Rogue Squadron. I'm pretty sure there's a level on Kessel. Yeah. Um, Or they at least mention it. Because that's like the first game that I beat 100%. Got gold medals on every level. <laughs> so pretty much everyone in this movie turns on Han. Even Chewie. But, I mean, Chewie becomes his friend. But, I mean, yeah. like, at the beginning. I mean, that's just... He was hungry. And so. I don't... What, Han talking Chewie-ish? Yeah. No. Wookie? Wookie, no. Wookie. Talk Wookie to me? Oh, yeah. my God. Um, yeah, I wasn't a big I'm fan I'm sorry. Of that. that was dumb. I, I, I like that they established that he can understand him. Yeah. I didn't need him to actually, like, speak Wookiee. Yeah, no. That, that was that bizarre. That was stupid. I like that. But besides that, I like that sequence. Yeah. Like, part of me want, doesn't want to see another one of these movies, but I want to see what happens next. Mm-hmm. Because when you leave Han in this, it's not the Han Solo that's going to leave the, the Rebellion before the attack on the Death Star. That's one of the biggest complaints I was seeing about this movie. It's After di- I saw it, I went online and almost everybody... Everybody, even people who love this movie, like even people who went in and they're saying that this is one of their favorite Star Wars movies, everybody says, this is not Han Solo that we meet in the Katina. Like, yeah, he's got think, a heart. Like it's, There's more, I think, Kira turning on him, more is going to happen. There has to be an, at least one more movie, if, because not, a, if not a trilogy. He's got to turn into Woody Harrelson's character. The mm-hmm. whole like take care of yourself, screw, screw, you know, and just and screw everybody else. Yeah, it, because he isn't that person yet. Because if he was, those marauders would have never gotten that fuel. Exactly, he would have gone for his payday. Yeah, and he didn't. So there, there's got to, there's more to the story. I mean, unless, and this is one thing I was thinking of. Unless, this is the only thing that I could think of them saying that he is who we want him to be. The only argument that I would take, and I was thinking about this last night. He had just deserted the Royal Navy. Yeah. Or not, not the Royal Navy, but the... Empire. Yeah, the Empire. He just deserted. He's got a bad taste in his mouth. He absolutely hates them. He wants nothing to do with them anymore because he wanted to be a pilot. They threw him out because he liked to speak his mind and his opinion. And then he ended up deserting... From the uh, from uh, from the ground forces because let's face it he was probably one comet away from getting a blaster in the face. Yeah, I could see him doing that because one he wants to get Kira out because mm-hmm. he believes that not you know without with gi- giving you know the whole plan to you know give him fake stuff or whatever like that whole thing to get her so he doesn't care about the money he wants her so that was his plan for that. Yeah. But by giving the rebels the fuel, then it's a giant middle finger to the Empire. Be like, hey, you're not going to get this. That in a way, that is him not caring. Like, that's his way of, like, doing the right thing for the wrong reasons, per se. Yeah. That's the only... And the only way that I'll ever take that is if the writer and the director came out and said, that's the direction we were going. It's the only way I would take that. But if they're making a second movie, then that's not even a possibility. Yeah, I don't, I don't think that is the case. Because I, I see your logic there, but I just... There's more to the story. More that's, happens to him yeah. to turn him into what Beckett was. Yeah. But he, def- he definitely shoots first when it comes to Beckett. So. Yes, and that's I also like that, too. I think that's the moment where you... like Before that point, um, he's already made the commitment to give... The rebels that stuff, but when yeah. he, as soon as he kills Beckett, I think that's the turning point. Yeah, because like, I think he, that's the start of the Han Solo we know. Because mm-hmm. um, th- then he goes back and wins the Falcon for real. Yeah, um, from Lando and all of that. So 
It's just and and I like Woody Harrelson. I do. Mm-hmm. I loved him in uh, was it 2012 or remember that end of the earth disaster movie they made where like the polar ice caps flip and he's living in Yellowstone as like the conspiracy theorist radio guy of the government oh, the, killing uh, off scientists. The- I, I you just combine like three different Roland Emmerich movies. <laughs> Whatever. I think he is in 2012. But he's I in think 2012. You're describing uh, day after tomorrow. Day after tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The day after tomorrow. No. I think he is in 2012. In 2012, because he drives, because he's living in a trailer in Yellowstone, yeah. and he drives out to where it's erupting, because. He everybody's going to die, so he's going to go out the way he wants. Yeah. And part of everything flipping and the crust moving is that Yellowstone erupts. And that's 2012. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but the pole shifting is... Uh, pretty sure that's day after tomorrow. Maybe not. No, because they know. have to fly it's, to... You're talking about the one where Jeff Goldblum and Judd Hirsch drive across no. the country, right? No. Now I'm just being a dick. Yeah, I know you are. <laughs> it's the one where uh, Mel Gibson fights the, the British, right? <laughs> anyway... <laughs> And to be perfectly honest, one of the things that makes a Star Wars movie a Star Wars movie, and the prequels kind of got away from this rule a little bit, but I feel like it's always better to, if you're going to introduce new characters mm-hmm. or younger versions of characters for the series, you've got to go with no-name actors, because when you throw in somebody that everybody knows, I feel like it takes away from the overall feel of the tradition of it. I mean, because like with I said, the, the exception of Donald kind of, Glover, who's like, a, who's a big name actor in this that is a character we already know. No, I'm talking about having Woody Harrelson in it. Yeah. Okay. But he's not a character we already know. He's not exact. Like I said, when you're bringing in characters for the first time, or when you're bringing in younger versions mm-hmm. of characters that are already established. I would rather them stick with the whole tradition of not having well-known people in it. Okay, I get what you're saying. I I'm okay with Woody Harrelson though because he's not like what he's not like a huge name in Hollywood. He's not like star of the Avengers. He's in Hunger Games. He's in like I forgot. I don't count the Hunger Games. He's been in a lot of stuff. A lot of people know who he is. And I feel like that's kind of distracting because of the characters that he has played in the past. Yeah. And then you fall into like the, you know, the the joking aspect to it. Because I'm pretty sure somewhere there's some fan theory that, you know, that one of his characters ended up being Beckett. Whose characters? Woody Harrelson? Yeah. Mm, I don't know. I don't, and I don't want those fan theories to exist. Fan, fan theories are dumb. I know they're dumb. They're fun, but they're dumb. Yeah, they're, they're not, fun dumb. They're not gonna actually like Starship Troopers, it. a fun dumb movie for everybody yeah. that um, I watch a lot. I know. <laughs> you bring it up every week. Yeah. Um, what else do you got? Uh, I feel the Millennium Falcon. Yes, in this is Falcon. Clean. Yes, it's white on the inside. Yeah, like it's it's or it was. It was like it looks nice. Like. It, until it caught fire. Until it caught fire and like half the... That's what it is. It's smoke damage. Yeah. It's all smoke damage on the inside. Um, but everybody was like freaking out about why like the why like the mandibles mm-hmm. weren't on the front of the ship. Yeah. And maybe they'd finally explain why the cockpit was like off to the side and not in the center of the ship where you would normally expect it to be. And the fact that the satellite dish was like flat on it like it was it was the satellite dish from the original trilogy but instead of it being up and out it was like sucked in like a turtle's head yeah and just peering straight out they do a good job of explaining it that it was an escape pod yeah but to me the setup of it being an escape pod for a ship that small it's extremely stupid yeah yeah i wasn't a big fan of that but it does explain the line. There's no crew on board. It seems like the, the escape pod's been jettisoned from A New Hope. And I know we said that fan theories are stupid dumb, and they're dumb. But sometimes you do get a golden one. Mm-hmm. And one of my favorite theories was that the reason why the cockpit is over to the side and the thing's got mandibles on the front is because it, it's a freighter. 
Yeah. And there's always the thing of like, okay, well, fine, if it's a freighter, besides the smuggling, you know, areas underneath the floorboard, where's the cargo hold Yeah, in it? And I, I read something once, a long time ago, that said that the reason why it's got mandibles and the reason why it's called a freighter, classified as a freighter, is because it worked in shipyards. Yeah. Where the man, where it would fly up, and the mandibles would close and grab on to like basically an intergalactic tugboat. Yeah, is what they were supposed to be designed for. That's where, granted, the thing's been like the thing's been the engine's been souped up, so it can go a lot faster than what it was originally yeah. designed for. But it explains why a ship that shape would have an engine, even at its weakest, that strong. Yeah. It would have that much power to it. And it would also explain why the cockpit is off to the side and not in the middle. So that if you are doing that whole tugboat thing, you at least you can see where you're going now. Yeah. And I'm sure there are areas of the ship that we haven't seen before. Like we hadn't seen um what, the living quarters before. But I mean there's layouts and blueprints yeah. that y- that you can get from uh those like kids, those white big kids books that like explain yeah. science and everything. They made them for Star Wars. Yeah, that's true. And they have breakdowns of of the ship. The only cargo area is back where the engine is. I guess that's fair. I don't know. I want to know. Does Lando just keep all of his clothes on the ship and Han not get rid of them? Because his disguise from uh, Return of the Jedi is still there. So does that mean Han is driving around with like a closet full of Lando stuff? Because here, here's my here's my fan theory. But here's my fa- let, Lando let, let, let me, let is me, wearing Han's clothes. That's where I'm getting to. What if Han is wearing Lando's clothes the whole time and Lando takes them back? That's what I was getting at. As disturbing as that is, I think you might be right. Yeah, because let's be honest, it's just a vest. It's a vest. A vest and a shirt. A shirt, pants, mm-hmm. shoes. He probably has his own pants. Belt. He doesn't wear the capes. He yeah, at least has the respect not to wear the capes. Huh? No, they don't wear underwear in space. Yeah. George Lucas told Leia that. Yeah. Because he wanted a certain look, and we all know what that look was. Yeah. I'm not going any further on that one. Okay, well, you know, let's talk about that a little bit. Every costume that Amelia Clark has on, you see a little bit of boob. It's just weird. I'm not used to the low-cut outfits on women in Star Wars. If when you look at the, even back at the prequels, yeah, when they go to like festivals or like a sporting event or like they're, they're at like a high end fancy thing going on, mm-hmm. look at the dresses the women are wearing in the background or the female counterparts to the species that yeah. whatever alien race they're a part of. If they're humanoid, they're wearing low cut dresses. Yeah. Especially the uh, Twilkies, the ones with the. Yeah tentacles coming out of their heads or whatever like they're all wearing low-cut dresses the cocktail waitresses are wearing short skirts and very low-cut shirts yeah and her character when you first meet her is basically like a an assassin slash like lover they kind of play it off as yeah and she's in that type of like environment and if you look at the rest of the women on that yacht they're all wearing similar stuff so I think this is just the first time that one of the main characters is from that class, is from that part of society within the Star Wars universe. I guess that's fair. Yeah, because it never really was a main character. Maybe Padme a little bit, but... Padme a little bit, but she was still part of like the governing body, so yeah. of course she'd be a little bit more conservative and a little bit more professional. This other one, on the other hand, she was there to blend into the rest of the scenery and to be... More the scoundrel type. For the scoundrel type, you know. So that that's why... Oh, Lando. Yeah. I was 100% fine with his wardrobe until his last scene. His, like, Hawaiian shirt? He's, like, Hawaiian, <laughs> like, like solar sailing ship shirt. Like, what? what? Yeah, that was bizarre. Oh. Um, getting back to Lando... Yeah. Um... They made a big deal about pointing out the fact that Lando's pansexual in this. When did that come up? Uh, they, which in, um, in interviews for, for press, it came up that Lando is pansexual. Donald Glover's point to it was, you're in space with all these different species. You kind of have to be pansexual if you're going to go around at all. I was like, you know okay. what? That okay. makes sense. Okay. Because he does flirt with everyone. I feel like that's more of... That's an actor sticking to their craft 
and being open about the way that they're playing the well, character. No, think- because remember, I forget who it was. Was it George Clooney or... Val Kilmer. Val Kilmer that said that they portrayed Bruce Wayne or Batman to be gay. Oh, um, George Clooney. George Clooney. It sounds nuts, but I've heard of no, actors doing here's this the in thing, the past though. to you, get certain things. Yeah, but here's the thing, though. Lando flirts with everyone. Yeah, so it makes sense. Yeah, so it makes sense. I'm, uh, I'm just saying, for people who are going to be like, oh, my God, and be upset about this type of yeah. stuff, that's why I brought up the whole George Clooney thing, mm-hmm. because sometimes a lot of actors don't talk about it, but I've heard people bring this up and I've heard when I was in college I had a few classes with a few stage actors who were yeah. going through you know the their arts major and they would you know during conversations they would bring this up that, that there was a and there was a discussion in class there are times when you when you have to portray a character that has a certain way of you know portraying their emotions and you know their physical stature and the way that they physically present themselves. Sometimes the only way to get it right, the way that the director wants, is to in your mind make up some secret part of the character that nobody knows yeah. about, so so you can show what I don't think he made it up though I think it was written in the script or added to the script that he was well I mean he is flirting with absolutely everything and then it would make sense but I mean would you be attracted to a robot like that it's Lando it is Lando oh well yeah I want to watch this movie again and just drink cold 45s oh god no 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 (laughs) no because it's not actually look and this is something that my wife brought up to. Like, she did not like this movie at all. Yeah. She did not like it at all. When she got your wife to go, mine didn't. Yeah. Sh- she didn't want to see it, mainly because, one, it's not the original actor playing Chewbacca. Well, because he can't do it physically. He can't do it, yeah. yeah. No. So, there's, uh, so there's that. And there's other things, like, just, like, she didn't like, she felt that the costumes weren't, like, the wardrobes weren't spacey enough. Okay. So there's that. Chewie wasn't portrayed by the original actor, even though he can't physically do it. Um, what really turned her off at the beginning was Han speaking in okay. Chewie. Yeah. <laughs> Which still, like, just makes me laugh, because I can't believe they actually did that. Yeah, yeah. my wife want, wants to see it, but with yeah. their schedules, it just didn't work out that she could go. And I was like, I'm just going to go, because I need to do an episode on this. How would you rank this with the, out of the four Disney Star Wars movies we've gotten in the last... It's uh, my least favorite. Years. It's your least favorite? Uh, well, because look here, the visuals are astounding. And the sets are on the same level. Well, the visuals and the sets are the same thing. But anyway, the music is great. <laughs> the, there, there were parts of it that I found to be funny. Yeah. That were good. But there were moments like, like the worm crime boss creature at the beginning. Yeah. Like, there were things like that that were just, like, I'm sitting there going, huh? Yeah. Like, like I understand the Star Wars universe, and there's creatures all over the place, and they're not going to, and they're all going to look weird and everything, mm-hmm. but that was just odd. Like, that would have been better for, like, a TV series, a video game, not how they yeah. did it. Yeah, I, uh, I don't know where I'd rank this. Probably third, and I don't know which one's fourth. I don't know. I like them all. It's Star Wars. I can't have enough Star Wars. Well, I mean, d- same. This, I've only seen but this one I, once. I've seen yeah. every other one. Okay, this is how I'll do it. I've seen every other Disney Star Wars movie in theaters more than once. I probably won't see this one in theaters again. Yeah, and so. it's it, to be like this one's right at the bottom with me with the clone with with uh, Attack of the Clones. I Overall, know, I I don't know if it's that bad for me. Well, if, if I if you had a choice between watching this and Attack of the Clones, you choose Attack of the Clones. I would rather watch the Phantom Menace. But I'm asking if you that wasn't the question. Yeah. If you had to choose between Solo and Attack of the Clones, which one would you watch? I'd watch probably the first 35 minutes of Attack of the Clones. Full movie, no beating around it. Which one do you choose? I'd probably sit on the floor cross-legged. Okay. Staring at both cases, and then run out, of, and then and then I run out of time to watch either one of them. <laughs> okay. Ah. <laughs> All right. Well, here 
I would only real okay. So if I was doing like a marathon, mm-hmm. okay, and I wanted to watch them in timeline order, yeah. I would watch one, two, three, this movie, Rogue One, mm-hmm. and then the rest of them in sequence. Yeah. Rogue One fits in with the story really well to where you could throw Rogue One in to watching like a Star Wars marathon, like the actual yeah. Like, between episode one like you could do the whole like watching a new hope you can't really throw this one in there and i think that's because this isn't really a standalone story i think because it's going to be a trilogy once the trilogy's done then probably it'll fit better yeah but until then with all these standalone movies it's going to be tricky to piece them into your marathons unless you watch them between the uh original trilogy and the sequels yeah just for like a little backstory one of the things i find funny that you've got the whole thing with the whole lore of Han winning the, the Millennium Falcon in a card game. Yeah. But then you also have the mythology of the gold dice. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people that really believed that the reason why he had the gold dice wasn't just for luck. It was because they helped him win the Millennium Falcon. Did you ever hear that one? No. I, I like them just as his lucky charms. Yeah. Yeah, because he has them on him when he wins the Falcon for real. Mm-hmm. So, all right. Anything else? I'm done. All right. For you have to watch this, I've been Alan. And I, and I have been Ryan. And we'll see you next week. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye.